Welcome to the Truth Across Time podcast. I'm your host, Sheila Farmer. As a lifelong student of history and English, I enjoy learning about the cultures, customs, and lifestyles in the Bible. Please join me as we explore the fascinating world of biblical events and the people involved. You'll see that the people of the Bible had concerns, triumphs and tragedies, joys and sorrows, successes and failures, not too different from our own. But because the Bible is God's Word, we can learn spiritual, eternal truths while looking at those people. Now let's go on this adventure and explore the truths that cross the limits of time and location. This week we're taking a look at the prophet Amos. Amos was a very interesting person. He's what we might call the average man's prophet. And by the way, when I say man, I'm using the generic sense of the word, meaning person. If the use of man bothers you, please understand that many words have different shades of meaning. And the word man has historically meant person, unless it was clear that a male was being referred to. Anyway, Amos was not what we might call a professional prophet. He was a farmer and a shepherd. Chapter 7, verse 14 says this, I was no prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Sycamore fruit is a type of fig, often called a mulberry fig. The leaves are similar in shape to mulberry, and the fruit looks a lot like an ordinary fig, except it's smaller. I'm told that the sycamore figs are very sweet. Amos's writing style suggests that he was educated. It's possible that he had the help of a scribe, which wouldn't have been unusual in those days for people who wanted to create written records. Amos ministered in the 8th century, approximately the middle to high 700s BC. He tells us pretty precisely when he prophesied. In the very first verse, he gives us these clues. Number one, Uzziah was king of Judah, which was from about 783 to 742 B.C. Two, Jeroboam II was king of Israel, approximately 786 to 746 B.C. And three, Amos says it was two years before the earthquake. This almost certainly refers to a large earthquake in that area in the mid-700s. By the way, in city ruins, archaeologists have recently uncovered evidence of a massive earthquake that occurred in the mid-700s in that region. Also, in verse 9 of chapter 8, when speaking of the punishment that was coming upon Israel, Scripture says this, And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. This probably refers to a solar eclipse that we now know occurred in 763 B.C. Isn't it great to know that even archaeology and verified history and science of today bear out the truth of Scripture that was written thousands of years ago? God's Word is true no matter what man's confirmations show, but it's just fun to know that those tidbits 
exist and they can't be argued with. Anyway, Amos was apparently a very successful farmer. Sometimes I think people have made too much of his farming background and implied that he was poor and a peasant. That view is perhaps not accurate. He was a sheep breeder, and he had a grove of fruit trees, so he was probably more like what we would think of as, in our culture, middle class. That's not too important a point, just interesting. God can use anyone who makes himself available, regardless of their status or wealth. Just a quick reminder, the unified country of Israel had split in two around 930 B.C., when Solomon's son Rehoboam was king. The northern kingdom kept the name Israel, and the southern kingdom took the name of Judah, or Judea. Both kingdoms fell into idolatry and developed into wicked societies, earning God's great displeasure and eventual punishment. However, the northern kingdom of Israel had a line of wicked kings that was unbroken, while the southern kingdom of Judah did have four good kings, not in a row, and they had some times of repentance and renewal. The southern kingdom lasted about 130 years longer than the northern kingdom. Amos was from the town of Tekoa, T-E-K-O-A, a city in Judah, or Judea. It's about 10 miles south of Jerusalem and roughly six miles south of Bethlehem. It was in the southern kingdom of Judah. So, it's a little surprising that God called Amos from the southern kingdom to go preach and prophesy to the northern kingdom, although Amos was not the only prophet who did so. But God called Amos from his probably relatively comfortable, stable life to journey to the north and preach to people who, by and large, had no interest in what he had to say. The first part of the book of Amos deals with the coming judgments of Israel's neighbors, countries who had caused them so many problems and had mistreated God's chosen people for centuries. Chapter 1, verse 3, through chapter 2, verse 3, focus on these countries. Amos uses poetic language to declare God's judgment. Each pronouncement on each country begins with this statement. For three transgressions of, and here you would insert the name of the country or the name of the city that represents the country. And for four, I will not turn away its punishment. The countries named were these. First, Syria, or Aram, A-R-A-M, represented by the capital city of Damascus. They had committed war crimes so often. For example, they often had dragged logs with spikes over the people that they had conquered and captured. Secondly, Gaza, a leading city of the Philistines. This is in what is now called the Palestinians' Gaza Strip. They deported many, many Jewish people when they overcame them, and they often sold them into slavery. Third, Tyre, the main seaport city of Phoenicia. This is in the area that we now know as Lebanon. They were generally brutal and 
They broke peace treaties whenever it suited them. Edom, in what is now southern Jordan. The Edomites were descended from Esau, Jacob's brother. You can read about this back in Genesis. So they were distantly related to the Israelites, but they often fought with them over the centuries, and they showed them no mercy. Ammon, A-M-M-O-N, in what is now northern Jordan. The Ammonites had a long history of brutality against the Jews. One horrible example is that they would even rip open with swords pregnant women when they launched attacks against Israel. Moab, in what is now roughly central Jordan, also brutal, even known for burning corpses of their enemies, a type of cremation that insulted the customs and religious practices of Israel and some other Middle Eastern nations as well. Last but certainly not least, God pronounces judgment on Judah. He lists their offenses, idol worship, abandoning the God of their fathers and God's law, tolerating and even encouraging great immorality and wickedness, including sexual immorality. One of the most egregious sins of the nation of Israel, recorded in Amos, was injustice. Injustice and bad treatment of the poor and needy. God clearly states many of the offenses, especially those of the privileged and the powerful. Here are some of the examples. First, they sold into slavery people who owed them money and couldn't pay. Their own people, not just foreigners. They were rude and disrespectful toward people who were helpless, even to the point of physically pushing them. They were guilty of gross sexual immorality, even so far as father and son having relations with the same woman. Another point, clothes were a very precious commodity in ancient times. Often people who owed money would pledge their belongings, even clothes and cloaks, as security to the people who loaned them money. Mosaic law clearly stated that the clothing and the cloaks were not to be kept permanently. They were even to be returned at night, as a cloak might be the only thing that a poor person had to keep him warm. But the rich and powerful ignored this law. Even at religious feasts, where God is supposed to be worshipped and honored, they took delight in keeping and using the clothes of their debtors. They didn't care that a poor man or a poor woman might go cold or suffer without a simple cloak. They levied unjust fines on the poor for every reason imaginable, and they used a lot of this money to buy their wine and to fund drunken get-togethers. They took bribes and perverted justice. The poor had no chance. Even the civil judges were crooked and abused the poor and those without power. The list goes on and on. Amos warned of the judgment that was coming. He's loud and strong in his delivery of those warnings. You know, God never brings judgment without first giving opportunity to repent 
and he had sent numerous prophets to warn the people of the coming judgment if they didn't change their ways. But you probably know the story. Israel did not repent. They were reveling in their material prosperity. The aristocrats and the wealthy were enjoying their status and privilege. They cared nothing for the people who were being oppressed. Total selfishness and the love of pleasure defined who they had become, in addition to embracing the worship of false gods and a lack of regard for God's word, the law. This disgusting state of affairs spelled their doom. The northern kingdom of Israel was invaded and conquered by the Assyrian Empire. The capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel was called Samaria, and Samaria fell and was destroyed by the Assyrians in 722 BC. Most of the Jewish people, especially the wealthy, the aristocrats, the young and the able, were deported and forced to settle in other countries. Assyria also forced other people to move into Israel and settle there. The people of the northern kingdom of Israel ceased to exist as a people and over time lost their Jewish identity. The people from other countries who had been forced to settle in Israel eventually intermarried with the Jews who had been left behind. This new breed came to be known as Samaritans and they still existed as a people group in Jesus' day. They were, in Jesus' day, hated and despised by full-blooded Jews. One of the important lessons from Amos is that every culture, every nation, has a responsibility to all its people, to help the helpless, to be honorable and fair in judgment, to not abuse any, Mercy and compassion are needed in every society for that society to work for very long. Our government and our agencies and officials are not to abuse or take advantage of the poor, and we are not to oppress anyone. Over the years, Amos has been quoted and referred to by many civil rights leaders. Amos gives clear information about the dangers of straying from God's laws and God's principles. God is aware of every individual's behavior and every nation's standards and behaviors. Let us look around us and evaluate our own attitudes and behaviors, and most importantly, our spiritual condition. Likewise, let us evaluate our nation's standards and practices, work for improvement, and pray for revival. The nation that forgets God is doomed. Please join me on my next podcast as we study more Truth Across Time. I hope this podcast encourages you to develop a closer relationship with Jesus. But if you haven't made a decision to follow Christ, I pray you will ask Him to be the Lord of your life today. God bless. See you next week.